This is Inspiring Design, where unique innovators come together to share their knowledge, share their insight, and keep us up to date with the latest industry trends. And here's your host, Rashan Senanayak. What's up, listeners? Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Design with Prashant Senanayake. This is where the best of the best brands, experts, change makers, and thought leaders come together to share their valuable insights, experience, and knowledge. Our goal here is to be the missing link between education, design, and the industry. So today marks the last episode for season three, and I have in store one of the most important topics for the modern world, SDGs. More accurately, the United Nations Sustainability Development Goals, an agenda with collective goals for a global society. And to talk about this topic, I have here with me, Joel Lindsay, the president of the United Nations Association of Australia, Young Professionals Queensland Chapter. For the last three years, Joel has led the state committee in delivering engagement events, advocacy campaigns, promoting the values and work of the United Nations to young Australians. In doing so, Joel uses the UN 2030 SDG agenda to drive awareness of the many issues raised by this program, focusing on reconciliation, climate change, gender equality, and refugee asylum seeker rights. Joel also serves on the UNAA National Young Professionals Committee and is the elected member for the UNAA Queensland Committee. Joel, coming from a background in international relations and foreign policy, as well as climate politics, is literally the perfect man for the job. Without further ado, let's get straight into it. Joel, welcome to Inspiring Design. Good afternoon, Rashan. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And um, to kick things off, can we start off with a little bit of background on yourself? What's your story? Of course. Um, good place to start. So I think unlike the really enviable entrepreneurs of our time, I left high school not really knowing what I wanted to do at all. I uh, went to university to do Bachelor of International Studies. Mostly had a pretty vague interest in international relations. Uh, knew I wanted to do politics, wanted to learn some language, wanted to travel a bit. So I thought the international studies thing was perfect. And then really towards the end of that study, I really got involved and interested in international development, the sustainability design, education aspect of what we're talking about today. So undergrad was Bachelor of International Studies, as I said, and then I decided to go back to uni a few years later to sort of upskill with some more international relations, hardcore stuff with a master's mm-hmm. of IR, and then use that to really focus on sustainability, climate politics, you know, the more strategic, big global questions. Yeah. Awesome. Well, from there, what's your involvement in the UN? So I should be clear at the start that the UN is a professional organization based all across the world mm-hmm. and my organization, United Nations Association of Australia, is a volunteer agency that spans this country, but is not, unfortunately, as much as I'd like to be, um, directly involved professionally with the United Nations. Mm-hmm. We are an advocacy group based in this country, 
and work to inform people about and engage people with the work and values of the proper UN. Yeah. So under that big banner of UNAA, there's a program called the Young Professionals, which mm -hmm. is roughly my age. So university to mid thirties, but there's no real clear age cutoffs. And we really focus on engaging the kids out of university who may have sparked an interest or a passion in their studies or model United Nations, et cetera, and really hook them into a system that fosters that passion and helps them develop skills in and around the work and values of the UN. And I'm the president of the Queensland committee that does that work. Awesome. There you go. And, and I, I, I'm, I'm a personal advocate of, I think, what the United Nations stands for. So this is going to be a very interesting topic. And let's get straight into the core discussion. It's um, around exactly understanding what is an SDG. So in your words, can you clarify to us exactly what is an SDG? Of course. And it's a really important question. Um, being as discreet as possible, an SDG is a brightly colored square with a number on it <laughs> that corresponds to a key issue facing the world. Um, more technically, the, an SDG is one of 17 goals, sorry, sustainable development goal um, that together form a broader platform and agenda at the UN international level to fix all of the world's problems. So. The 17 SDGs have been described as the most comprehensive plan ever to fix all the world's problems. So it's a big deal. And each SDG has its own focus being health, climate, etc. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. That's an SDG. Yeah. And I believe there are particular target indicators under each of these goals, which breaks it down to a further level. Well, how many target indicators are there? So this is where it gets slightly more complicated than 17 bright colored squares. Yeah. So there's 17 SDGs. Uh, each one has roughly 10 targets under each goal. So you have a total of 169 targets. Yeah. And to further complicate matters, each target, and this is an ongoing issue for the United Nations is overcomplicating things, uh, 247 indicators. So wow. 17 goals, 169 targets, and each target has one or two particular indicators for measuring progress attached to it. Mm -hmm. Only 247 indicators of progress that get reported on by the UN every year. Love that. That's awesome. And so in terms of from the UN's point of view, is this, are these targets designed towards the world by an X year or is it ongoing? So at a high level, they really encompass the hope to save the world as an ongoing thing. But this specific SDG agenda, is called the United Nations Sustainable Development Goal Agenda for 2030. Mm -hmm. So they were adopted in 2015 with really a target of 15 years of concrete action across 17 goals. Yeah. With, I guess, the hope at that time to, by 2030, have completed or achieved as many of these targets and indicators as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And Here's a bit of a tough question. I feel like I'm going to push you a little bit, especially on your memory, but can you actually list what those 17 goals are um, just for the purpose of our listeners as well, who's never come across them? Of course. <laughs> and I've, I have tried before. I've never once got it correct. But today's the day. Uh, so 17 SDGs starting from the top. Number one is no poverty. And that goal essentially is end poverty in all its forms everywhere. That's a big one for the UN and it's a legacy one from the Millennium Development Goals, which we might talk about later. 
but that's it. That's the UN's core work, ending poverty. Mm -hmm. Goal two is zero hunger. And specifically, ending hunger and achieving food security and improved nutrition and promoting sustainable agriculture. That's feeding the world. Also another one from the Millennium Development Goals. Mm -hmm. Goal three is good health and well-being. This one's quite straightforward. Ensuring healthy lives and promoting the well-being for all people at all ages. So that's everybody in the world is healthy and happy. Goal four, quality education. It's a big one for our discussion today and for your listeners, I hope. Ensuring inclusive and equitable quality education and promoting lifelong learning for everybody. Actually, if I may interrupt you on that, number four is absolutely one of the most important because this is the work that we do at Inspired Education is 100% towards those goals as well. So absolutely a huge advocate of number four. So sorry to interrupt. Let's, let's keep it going. <laughs> no, it's perfectly fine. And these are designed to be engaged with for that exact reason. Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, they, they are quite flashy and they're quite colorful, mm. but the detail is really there for people to engage with, I guess, the meat of each, each goal. Yeah. And so some of them will appeal to some people's passions and that's, that's entirely the point. So happy to digress. Number five is a big one and a focus of my Young Professionals Committee in the last few years is gender equality. A stated agenda of achieving gender equality and empowerment of all women and girls. And that includes a bunch of really important topics like um, female safety, child marriage, and a lot of the more entrenched and you know, really perverse issues across the, across the world. So that's a big one for us. Uh, number six, clean water and sanitation. Big one. Exactly. Uh, ensuring availability and sustainable management of water and sanitation for all. So if you saw Bill Gates' recent Netflix special, he's quite big on clean toilets. Mm. It's one of his focus, which is incredibly important. And the whole area of wash is important. And that's what number six encompasses. Number seven, affordable and clean energy. Mm -hmm. This one is ensuring access to affordable, reliable, sustainable, and modern energy for everybody. This one's quite close to my heart. I work in renewable energy policy right now, mm -hmm. and it's clearly quite linked publicly to the climate change movement and the focus of mine. Number eight, decent work and economic growth. That is promoting a sustained, inclusive, and sustainable economic growth, full and productive employment, and decent work for all. And that's a really big focus on fair work, ending things like sweatshops, introducing things like living wages, yeah. ensuring that people in the global community, all work and everybody's treated fairly as part of a global system. Mm. Number nine, industry, innovation and infrastructure. This goal is to build resilient infrastructure, promoting inclusive and sustainable industrialization and fostering innovation. That's a cool one for the design thinkers out there. Definitely. Number 10, reduced inequality. This is reducing inequality within and among countries. Number 11, Sustainable cities and communities, another one for the design thinkers. Mm -hmm. Make cities and human settlements inclusive, safe, resilient, and sustainable. And have a few sub-targets we can talk about there. I thought it might be of interest to your listeners. Mm -hmm. Number 12, responsible consumption and production. Ensuring sustainable consumption and production patterns. This is a big one in the media all the time about how much we're producing, how we use things, how we recycle, and really is a key one for conceptualizing what it means to be part of one planet with finite resources. Number 13, the biggest one, probably the most 
reported on the media, the biggest topical one right now is climate action. Yeah. Given we are now in the, the so-called 10 years of action we have to have till 2030, climate action aims to take urgent action to combat climate change and its impacts, reflecting the fact that we're already at a point where we cannot avoid the worst impacts of climate change. So a lot of their targets actually focus on mitigation mm. and preparing some of the world's most at-risk people for living with and surviving some of the effects that are coming. Number 14, life below water. Conserving and sustainably using the oceans, seas and marine resources for sustainable development. This speaks to uh, international cooperation amongst fishing nations, really respecting and working to preserve the life in the sea, which as we know, fosters and sustains so many economies around the world, including a lot of our close nations, neighbors in the Pacific. Mm -hmm. 15, life on land. Protect, restore, and promote sustainable use of terrestrial ecosystems, sustainably manage forests, combat desertification, and halt and reverse land degradation and halt biodiversity loss. So that really is about maintaining the forests and maintaining the, uh, the fauna on our planet. Yeah. The last two are more about how we achieve the first 15 goals. Mm -hmm. so 16 is peace, justice, and strong institutions. This is sort of the uh, catch cry or the main branding one for the UNAA. This is uh, promoting peaceful and exclusive societies for sustainable development, providing access to justice for all, and building effective, accountable, and inclusive institutions at all levels. So that all levels one's quite important for us because we are at a level here, we're advocating on a national platform of UN values, and then all the way up to the UN internationally, making sure that all our institutions are peaceful, fair, and focus on justice. And then yeah. the big one, maybe the most important, goal 17 is partnerships for the goals. Strengthen the means of implementation and revitalize the global partnership for sustainable development. That in a nutshell is how we work together and really emphasizing the focus on partnering for the goals because none of them is achievable by itself and all require a decent amount of international cooperation. Yeah. That's the 17 goals. I haven't missed any, I hope. <laughs> now you've done well mate i think that was very clearly explained really thought out and um and I'm, I'm sure the listeners who've never heard of an sdg goal before will simply by listening to that will understand the gravity of how big these topics are and it's almost difficult to pick one over the other because they're all interlinked and um somewhere or another part of a bigger system connected throughout so thank you so much now how how do the stakeholders that are involved, like you already mentioned the fact that, you know, this is about collaboration and these kinds of uh, things need to be come together. So at a high level, how do you see what stakeholders are actually involved in this process? So at the highest level, the stakeholders are two. There's the United Nations and the department specifically created to implement the SDGs and then nations. So that's each member state of the UN. It's 193 countries or member states in the United Nations. And the SDG agenda is a partnership between the UN as a group of states and each individual state whose responsibility is to go home and really embed this thinking, this framework and this design for global sustainability into their national policies. So they're the two biggest stakeholders at a high level. So for us, that's Australia and the UN. Yeah. The expectation is that we agreed with every other member state in 2015 to this agenda, we would then go home and write the values of this agenda into all of our policy ongoing as a way of you know committing to 
or showing what we're doing, what we committed to publicly in 2015. At a lower level, the stakeholders, every other person on the planet. So every human, every business, every NGO like us has a responsibility to engage with the SDGs and really has a vested interest in their success because this program is, um, you know, by working together outcomes for every person on the planet. Yeah. So you might realize publicly, a lot of companies have decided to embody the SDG agenda, mm -hmm. um, either wholly and transparently or with a view to, you know, promote their own, uh, let's say greenwashed or co-opted credentials. But regardless, companies are really engaging with the importance of this agenda and really finding its um, visibility and engagement quite useful for their own purposes, which is awesome because engagement with this agenda is the whole target. Big companies like Aldi, mm -hmm. it was a strange one I found recently, but Aldi has a whole SDG plan for how they uh, plan to you know, promote a bunch of these SDGs in their business as usual, particularly stuff around clean energy, they've, you know, put solar panels on the roofs and how they're really engaging with fair work practices and, um, you know, new modern slavery requirements that are coming into Australia. Mm. So companies are really engaging with it. And then below businesses, there's us, there's the students, the teachers, the uh, NGOs, the community groups who before this was even created had these values and, you know, didn't need the fancy 17 goals framework to know they cared about climate or animals or equality or gender equality, et cetera, but now have a really tangible list of goals and actions to engage with the issues that they're passionate about. So the stakeholder is all of us. I think that's the important thing. This is why it's one of the most complicated things. Everyone has a little piece of the puzzle and a little part to play in the role. So that's, I think the biggest role, and you've already mentioned schools and teachers and students coming into play. So um, I want to talk about that in a second, but I know you mentioned the millennium goals uh, a little while ago while you were listing those, um, the 17 goals. Now, can you elaborate a little bit on what that is? So the millennium development goals were a pre-existing agenda that the UN created in the 1990s, mm -hmm. which really was a hope to muster the strength and resources of what at the time they were calling the developed countries to really help the undeveloped countries on issues of education, poverty, eradication, health, etc. The Millennium Development Goals were the precursor to the SDGs and were really a targeted program of work that had the ideal that countries who were better off would help lift the standards of living in all the countries that needed help around the world. Mm. This, the approach has been criticized and is part of the reason the new approach exists that the targeting of underdeveloped countries as the recipient of help and support and aid from us, allegedly the you know, developed and wealthy nations was wrong. Mm -hmm. And that it really ignored the fact that partnership and cooperation was really the, uh, the only way to make any of this important change stick. So the MDGs uh, finished their run. And then in the 2000s, people started talking about, well, what comes next? We need a new agenda for working together mm -hmm. that involves everybody and also has a much broader target of 
you know, looking at long-term future planning, uh, sustainable cities, et cetera, education outcomes, and not just those core ones of poverty eradication and health that the MDGs was quite focused on. Yeah. So the new goals are universal. They apply to all countries. And as I said, the MDGs were intended to be acted upon only in developing countries based on, I think, the incorrect premise that only those countries had work that needed to be done. Yeah. And the SDGs accept that we all have things that we can change and all have responsibility to play. Absolutely. And I think that's a beautiful step in the right direction. So um, going back to how this plays a role in education, they actually say that, especially within the industry in 21st century business, if you're not aligned with one of these goals or several, you're actually playing you know, the game 20 years ago, 30 years ago. It's an outdated state of mind where you do actually have to think within your impact within a global footprint. So why, did, why do you think this, these, this knowledge, these, this part of education needs to be integrated within the school system or even the university system more heavily? I think it speaks to a broader and probably more basic need to embed sustainable design thinking in everything we do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're at, a, we're at a, to avoid, and I don't, don't like cliches at all, but you know, the talk of the crossroads and the um, tipping point that we seem to be at with, especially with the climate sustainability yeah. in how you design programs, how you do business, how you live your life to a certain degree has to consider and it's becoming harder and harder to, to not do this, as we mm. know, has to consider the long-term aspects of your actions, not only on the environment, but also on other people. So companies are increasingly being asked, you're making this choice. Um, you clearly haven't considered how this affects, you know, workers down the line in factories and other parts of the world. Why is that? You're making this investment decision in uh, thermal energy generation, why is that when there's cleaner alternatives? And the important role of, as you're mentioning, uh, having that design thinking in university, school, teachers, classrooms, et cetera, is that as we become more engaged with the issue and more educated on what these goals are and why they're important, we become much smarter and more powerful consumers and much better advocates of saying, actually, I'm uncomfortable with the choice that this company has made yeah. or this business has made or that I have made personally. And I know this, I know it's in contrast to the goals and values of this agenda, which, you know, have flaws and they're quite broad, but are on the whole targeted towards a future that is fair for everybody. Yeah. So I think it's really important for people to understand the issues, understand the agenda, engage with it and start to use it as sort of a, a framework for how you can then, you know, judge choices that you're making, your friends are making, your companies are making, your governments are making, and seeing if your actions are really aligning with a sustainable future. Absolutely. And I think it, it on the flip side, develops a level of morality, um, resilience, a little bit of mindfulness as well to understand what the actions within that we take every day, just as simple as consuming something at a company or a product or service or what we might do just even recycling, just something as simple as that, or um, the gardening impacts, whatever, even the little thing they do add up to um, the bigger picture. So uh, well said, mate. And so 
do you think this needs to be a specific subject, a dedicated subject taught within schools or even universities? I think there's two different issues there. One is, I do think a lot of, as I said, this, this framework tries, has tried to encapsulate in a sort of nifty marketing model and engagement with a lot of values and issues across the world, values that people already hold dear. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of these values and work and issues are already covered in things we learn in school and universities. Of course, I think it would be awesome to have, you know, a greater engagement with the UN and probably civic and political life in general mm -hmm. in schools and universities. And of course that would clearly, and I'm quite biased because I'm a fan of the UN, all of its <laughs> flaws, flaws aside, I'm a fan. Um, and that would obviously involve an understanding that UN is the biggest and most complicated effort the planet has ever made to working mm. together yeah. on these huge issues. So yeah, I'd like to see more engagement with the global issues. And I don't really don't mind how they're engaged with as long as they're engaged with. I just think the SDG agenda is a quite um, practical, you know, breaks down into quite small segments, framework for engaging with what are huge issues. So of course, I think engagement, this is desirable. Yeah. Now, the reason I wanted to ask you that question was my involvement at QUT, we actually just underwent as this subject dedicated to SDG goals called Impact Labs Planet. And um, it had about 550 design students and they were all working with these uh, international organizations and NGOs working specifically on uh, rural, rural countries, third world countries, informal settlements that go undergo these different, different topics and, and hardships. And the students were actually collaborating with the NGO and the IOs and being able to come up with these new strategies aligned with SDG goals. Now, this was, I think, one of the most, uh, I think, valued subjects that I've ever been a part of uh, in the university. Korea and we were discussing this with the students and one of the biggest things that came out of it was they weren't aware of the SDG goals prior to this subject. They weren't even aware of that there are actually big issues like this because it's almost like their eyes weren't open to it. So this was really valuable feedback and, um, and a really good case study this last 10 weeks have been and students by the end of the semester they're literally a few days away from now this final submission, which is actually going to get submitted to those NGOs like Arab, ISOCARP. Um, they're big organizations working uh, globally to put their ideas in, you know, actually work and align with one of the most practical systems. So it's been very rewarding. That's why I wanted to ask you that specific question. So on that note, what's your advice for students and graduates, the people that are going to be entering the workforce in the next two to 10 years, they're going to be smack bang in the middle of the most key 10 years. What's your advice for them? It's always a tough question because everybody's coming into their early career from very different stages. Yeah. And I understand that some people are like myself fresh out of uni where essentially any job is, is now a job to get your foot in the door. Um, but I do think now that companies are more and more engaging, you named a few good ones just then, are engaging with this agenda and the, the values that they sort of represent. My key piece of advice is really when you're looking at a job, 
respect the fact that your education, your experience, your personality and values are incredibly valuable uh, and use that knowledge to look for companies and places to work that align themselves proudly mm-hmm. and not just on paper, but tangibly align with the work and values you know, included in this framework. Yeah, It doesn't have to be SDG specifically, but look for those companies and people doing the awesome work, like you mentioned, across the world in these sort of key issue areas. And I think if you, I think it's you know, often described as look for values in a job rather than, you know, pay outcomes. Yeah. But if you're looking for companies and committing to work in areas where you think you're making a difference and that matter to other people, and that's the key focus is looking for work that helps other people, you can't really go wrong. And you'll find that much more fulfilling. You never get bored. And it's really um, hard to get tired of a job where you think you actually are providing good outcomes for somebody else. So that's my only piece of advice. I think that's very worth listening to is look for a job, look for a career that aligns with your values rather than some of the other targets we sometimes use to measure. Definitely. And I think that's very valuable advice, man. And, and something that gets overlooked a lot. So being able to mindfully focus on that definitely will have a huge impact on a, not just on a personal level, but I think on a global level. So adding to that big system. So good work. And lastly, what's your advice for teachers and educators, people that are molding this next generation, if they're not aware of the SDG goals and the impact, and there is a lot of information and knowledge and almost assume knowledge now. Um, what's your advice for them in terms of, you know, absorbing this information to be able to integrate that as a part of their everyday teaching? I think my advice to teachers in this current climate and um, I guess space of online activism is catch up. Mm. They really have to get up to speed with this agenda, the work that it means, because young kids now even you know, exponentially more than 10 years ago are aware of the issues, they're engaging with the issues and have the savvy and in fact, the tech smarts to really sink their teeth into the issues that matter to them online, in the streets. I always like to use the example of Greta Thunberg from Sweden, was 16, decided she was passionate, decided to skip class one day and go and protest in front of parliament. She now has millions of followers across the world doing um, the exact same thing because she started a movement. Yeah. So kids really are engaging with these issues much earlier, much faster, and they get it. They understand the time constraints for the work we have to do. They understand the impacts of on their future. Should we not be successful in doing these things? So teachers really have a responsibility to understand these bigger issues outside of the incredible work that teachers already do and find uh, creative ways to engage their students in that work because they're doing it themselves anyway. Valuable advice, mate. So thanks so much. I think uh, last but not least, do you have any um, advice on anyone who wants to learn more about um, the UN or the UNAA and um, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, of course. So UNAA, the national group I'm a part of is uh, pretty accessible by a lot of your regular social medias, but unaa.org.au is a great place to start. And from there, you can find uh, my, my friends at the, y, at the Young Professionals through that same page and get involved and get in touch. Um, 
If you're younger listening to this podcast, UN Youth is a great organization to get involved with, really targeting the high school kids and getting early engagement. But yeah, that's the way to go. And we always love to get people involved, engaged, and really inspired by this work. And that's what we aim to do every day. Perfect, mate. Thanks so much for your time. Thanks for having me. Cheers, mate. Love your work, mate. SDG integration into education is a passion of mine, and I'm so glad to see the amazing work and the movement that you're doing with the UNAA. That's it for today, everyone. Now it's time to jump on to prashantsenanayaka.com forward slash podcast and check out the show notes from today's episode. Make sure you click on to the direct links to learn about the United Nations SDG agenda and check out the vital work Joel and his colleagues are doing at the UNAA. That brings Inspiring Design Season 3 to a close. So, but last but not least, that brings Inspiring Design Season 3 to a close. It's been one heck of a journey with, uh, featuring some amazing guests. So make sure you guys click subscribe, share your thoughts and feedback on today's topic and check out the previously featured guests as well. So till season four,